Well, that's awesome. I love to see a huge, a huge child dedication Sunday because that means our children's ministry is growing. Hallelujah. <laughs> and when you oversee the children's ministry, that is a good sign. So I love to see that. Love to see that this morning. Um, and all the parents making their pledges to raise their children in a godly home. And that is really going to be the focus of my message this morning. It's primarily directed to parents. But hold on, I know it can apply to grandparents and all of us this morning. So again, you know, my message this morning is to us as parents, but I know that there are key elements that really can apply to us all. So with that, I'm going to pray and let's dig into it. Father, I thank you again for this opportunity to just present these kids to you, Lord, to love them, nurture them, help them to one day accept you as Lord and Savior in their lives in a personal way. Lord, I thank you for the way that you've prompted us as parents and as a church to help this process, Lord. And I pray over every one of them, Lord, that indeed at some point in their life, they would accept you personally. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I feel like I have to give you a sort of a disclaimer before I get started. Two things. One is sort of comical, one is kind of serious. The first one is this morning, I was curling my hair, and right in the middle of it, my, like, iron just broke into pieces. And so I had, like, half of my hair curled and half straight. And if you know, that's just not a good look. (laughs) And um, I was like, oh, okay, this is interesting. And then I remembered that there was this prophetic word, um someone we had here about a year and a half ago, uh, prophesied. He's like, you are about to just get your hair messed up in front of the congregation. And I'm like, oh, this happened this morning. This is good. Okay. And then, you know, I didn't know it was actually going to happen in a literal way. I was thinking he was speaking to the fact that, you know, I like to have my eyes dotted and my T's crossed and I like to plan things and I like to have things just sort of in a planner, if that makes sense. And this week, to say the least, has not been that way. It has been sort of wild and sporadic. And I've had to operate in the Holy Spirit versus in preparation, if you know what I mean. And that would include this message this morning. So you have the disclaimer that, yes, my hair literally got messed up, both uh, figuratively and literally. Um, the other disclaimer is that this message is sort of challenging. And I was challenged by it. And I hope you are challenged by it. But my heart in it is not to ever condemn. It's to challenge and encourage and to edify and build up. So if you're challenged in it, I hope you are. But not in a bad way, in a good way. So those are my disclaimers this morning. And The title of the message is Our Primary Calling as Parents. Our Primary Calling as Parents. It is actually right in the pledge that the parents made this morning. They said, they responded to this very question. They said, do you pledge as parents to bring up your child in the discipline and instruction of the Lord? And they all responded, we will, right? We will do that. And that right there 
is really the starting point to a process that they're going to continue in their home. This morning we witnessed, like when we go to a wedding, we witness a man and a woman make pledges to each other. But if they go home and be like, oh, sweet, that was so awesome, honey, wasn't it? And they go to their own rooms and watch their own Netflix series and keep their own checking accounts and just think they're just going to live happily ever after, they're deceived, right? Marriage takes action. Marriage takes intentionality. And that's the same way with the child dedications. It was a starting point, a simple starting point for the parents, but the work is ahead in their lives. The work is only just begun as they made that pledge this morning. And I will attest to that, that this calling to raise our kids in the discipline and instruction of the Lord should be our focus as parents, the primary focus, the one that we um, seek the Lord after most. You know, I sort of care about what my kids pursue and their interests and their likes and the activities that they're going to go out for and the careers they'll pursue and all of those fun things we get to witness as parents. But at the end of the day, my heart just pleads and cries out to the Lord that they would accept him and that they would follow him and they would seek after him all the days of their life. That's what I pray over them before bed. That's what I pray in the rocker when they're babies. Lord, Jesus, draw their hearts to you. I can't make it happen for them. They have to at some point accept for themselves to pursue a relationship with Jesus. And that as parents is our heart's desire. It should be our heart's desire our primary calling as parents. You know, I sat and I reflected on this even at a soccer match yesterday. And I sort of care about, you know, the soccer and the skills and things like that. And I, you know, of course I want my son to, you know, get a little better at this and that and do the things that I don't even know how to describe. And I do, I do care about that. But at the end of the day, I'm like, you know, I really want him just to be a man of character. So, like, is he watching his mouth when he's out there? Is he respecting the officials? Is he encouraging his teammates? Like, is Christ-like character being produced in him? Like, and I was looking at, at the field of kids, and I'm like, you know, I wonder how many of these kids, their parents are just, like, living through their soccer skills. You know, like, they are just, like, buying all the right things and putting them in all the camps and, like, like this is our focus. We're going to raise a soccer player. <laughs> and you could, I mean, and you could fill in whatever sport or whatever activity. Maybe it's, you know, the marching band or the football team or the basketball team, and they're just like, we are focused on one thing only in this home, and it's to get the basketball scholarship or whatever it is, right? And I'm like, you know, that's good. But what is your primary focus in your home? It should be this very thing. It should be this very thing today to train up your children in the discipline, in the instruction of the Lord. What does the Bible say about this calling? And Pastor Bob did share a little bit about this at the beginning of the dedication 
service. But what does the Bible say about this? Old and New Testament here. And if you were a parent and dedicated your child, you got a handout and some of these scriptures were on it. But what does the Bible say about this? We're going to read a few scriptures. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 and 7. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 and 7. And we'll come back to this very verse at the very end of my sermon. I love this. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I have given you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you are on the road, when you are going to bed and when you are getting up. So basically all the time, <laughs> right? If you connected the dots there. When you're home, when you're on the road, when you're rising, when you're going to bed, talk about these things. Talk about these commands. In Joshua, the very next one, and it doesn't specifically mention parenting, but Joshua 1, chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, it says, Keep this book of law always on your lips. Meditate it on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and you will be successful. You know, Moses and Joshua were given this law from the Lord and they were instructed to meditate on it, to dwell on it day and night, to place it dear to their hearts, right? And I think they just had the law. You know, we're speaking to the Torah here, just the first five books of the Bible, the law at that time. And their really lives and their righteousness really depended on the law, right? Like, not only did they just, you know, want to know about it, but they were instructed to follow that baby. And if they didn't follow that, then they needed to make atonement for it, right? With sacrifices to atone, to kind of cover their sin. So there was a real necessity to knowing that law at that time. But I was thinking about it last night, and I'm like, today as New Testament believers in Jesus after the cross, how much more should we want to? I mean, honestly, we're not under that law anymore, and we have that entire Bible with the New Testament and Jesus and the resurrection, and we're waiting for a second coming. And I no longer have to read the Bible to be righteous, right? I am redeemed. I already am righteous because of what Jesus did on the cross. But now we get to read the Bible to understand and get to know our Savior God in a better and a deeper way. We get to read the Bible just to know our God better, just to enjoy his presence just to draw near to him, understanding that the Bible is alive and it's active, that it's going to transform our minds and our hearts. And we get to enjoy it because when we open the pages of scripture, we get to open them already redeemed. Is anyone just thankful for that this morning? I am so thankful that I live as a New Testament believer after Jesus death and resurrection, and that the Bible is a tool to give me greater understanding and greater enjoyment of his presence. I love that. So those Old Testament scriptures, yes, they were directed to them, but they so much 
so much of it can very much apply to us today, still meditating on his words and our mind and our hearts, chewing and meditating on it throughout our day. And in the New Testament, in Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 6, It says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. Aha, there's our pledge, right? Parents, you made that pledge. It's right out of Ephesians. Bringing them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. So we know, and there's other New Testament scriptures. There's Old Testament scriptures, New Testament scriptures that speak of the same responsibility. Parents, fathers, mothers, it's our responsibility to raise our children up in the instruction of the Lord. It's our primary responsibility. One of the qualifications for an elder in the church is to have his home in order. His primary responsibility as an elder in the church is his home. That's how much importance God has on the father and mother in the home. It's our calling. It's our greatest honor. And I can attest to the fact that I love you guys and I love Victory Church and I love the children's ministry and the youth ministries, but you know who I love more? My two sons. And at the end of the day, they're the ones that are on my heart and my mind always. And I know it's my responsibility to raise them in the Lord. It is not this church's. The church is here to help me take my responsibility in the home. And thankfully, y'all do that. But um, it's my responsibility as a mom and dad. To raise our kids in the Lord. Do not leave this responsibility to anybody else. Do not leave it even to the church. You can have the best church ever wherever you go to church. But I tell you what, I only get these kids on Sunday morning for a half hour and maybe Wednesday night for an hour and a half. They spend about two hours in church a week. It's not enough. It helps. It encourages. It's a good way to help the kids, but it's not enough. And the next point is why. Why is this so, so important? Why did God give parents this responsibility? Why? Why isn't the church's responsibility or the schools or the communities or the extended family? Why is this role placed on a father and a mother. And there's many. And the first one is really obvious <laughs> because the Bible said so, right? And we just looked at that, right? This is where the kid in the class says, because God said so. And you're like, absolutely right. You're 100% right because we just looked at the Bible. And why is this important? Because God said so, 100% so. But I've witnessed some other ways and some other reasons why this is so important. Yes, the Lord gave it to us. It's clear in the Bible. But the second reason 
I believe this is so important, is if you disciple your own children in the home, they are a direct blessing to us in the church. Let me give you an example. If you are at home reading the word with your children, praying over them, encouraging their gifts, building them up, pointing them to the Lord, then on on a Sunday or Wednesday here at church, they're a gift to us. Children have gifts, and they bless the body of Christ in the same way that adults do. And one tangible little story of this that I want to share is last week, uh, I'm usually teaching in one of the classrooms, and in the K through second grade classroom I was teaching last Sunday, and in our children's ministry, we have the same exact mission as the church. We want to help children discover and experience the abundant life in Jesus. That's what we're trying to do in the children's ministry like we do up here. It's the same mission statement, that they would discover Jesus, accept him, and not only just accept him, but then experience an abundant life living out their faith in Jesus. That's our mission at Victory. It's our mission in our children's ministry. So last week, I'm teaching the kids. And I'm like, okay, guys, everyone circle up. We're going to sit in a circle. And these are kindergarten through second graders. And I was like, we're going to take turns praying for each child. Lay our hands on them. If you, this morning, we didn't really see that so much. But a lot of times in our services, you'll have people come up to the sides. Kind of like, what are they doing? They're laying their hands on them and the elders and people are just praying for them. Any need. We'll just lay our hands on you, pray for you. So I had the kids do the same thing. I said, circle up. We're going to put someone in the middle. We're just going to pray for them. And I said, we're going to do two different things this morning. One, you might have something, a word of encouragement that just comes to your mind that you just know. Like, I just know my friend here is good at football. I know he's a really kind friend. I know he is really full of joy. Okay. Those would be things you just know about him. And you can say those things because those things encourage us all. Right. So say those cool things. But then I told the kids, I said, but then when we close our eyes and if you've accepted Jesus in your heart, the Holy Spirit is going to give you a word right from him. And it wasn't something that you just knew about that kid. Like, the Holy Spirit in you is going to tell you to say that. So let's do that too. So we close our eyes, and I knew it would be a mix of things, and that's totally acceptable. I wanted to give them the permission to say the obvious things and the not obvious things. So we put our hands on the student, and I start, and I'm praying for the student in the middle. And the, the kids are all, they got their eyes closed, and they each take a turn saying something about that student in the middle. Oh, and though it was really cool the way the Lord met us, but there was this one girl, and she's got her eyes shut. She's got her eyes shut, and she's just anticipating what she's going to say for the student in the middle. And she opens her eyes, and she looks right at the student in the middle and goes, God enjoys you. Goosebumps. <laughs> And we hadn't used the word enjoys. It was one of those Holy Spirit moments. And the little girl in the middle that was receiving that word, her eyes lit up like, really? 
And, and I don't think the one that received that word knew the significance, but I knew it was a Holy Spirit word. The other ones were great. You know, they're the next one. You're really kind. You're a really good friend. You're this, you're that. Those are all great. But then when it got to this girl and she opened her eyes and said, God enjoys you. That was a Holy Spirit moment. See, our kids hear from the Holy Spirit in the same way we do. And they, they are an intricate part of this church. And they have gifts and talents to bring to this house. And we get to see it. We get to see it. And it's so exciting. And it's so fun. But you know what? If you, as parents, are doing that at home, we get to enjoy it. How cool is that, right? And we get to just help you develop that in your kids. And so that's the second reason. Why is this so important to God? One, because, well, he said so. The Bible said so. Two, because they're a benefit to our body. We get to enjoy the gifts in your kids that you're developing at home. It's really fun. And three, now this is the one that I'm going to focus on. This is the one that, oh, this gets me all fired up. This is the one that I lay awake at night right now thinking on. And it's because your kids, your youth need to know truth versus deception. You need to disciple your kids at home because they need to know the truth. They need to know the truth. And what is the truth? It's the word of God. I have an urgency in my heart on this. I think the slide even says urgent. I feel an urgency in this area right now. A stirring in my heart. I'm looking for books to read over the summer and praying about this. There's a shift in our culture right now. And we need to be prepared for it as parents. The kids need to know the word of God. They always have needed to know the word of God, but they really need to know the word of God. It's urgent in my heart. The word of God is being attacked in our culture. It's being attacked. And, uh, Without naming names, without naming denominations, without naming these names, here's just a few. And I did a youth group message just this last week to our 7th through 12th grade, and I used a couple of these. I went out on social media. Our kids are on social media all the time, right? All the Snapchat, TikToks, blah, 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 you know. They're on these all day long, right? And so I went out, and I just tried to find these little memes. Memes are little pictures with that someone typed a little something on the picture, right? Okay. So I went out and I just found all these things that they would be seeing on these social media sites. The thing is that I didn't look for things from the world. I looked for things that were being stated by pastors and bishops and leaders in churches. I took the names off of them because that's not my heart is to do that. But these are the things that are being read and seen all over right now. These are the messages that they're seeing. Let's look at a couple of them right now. And I just pulled two. I showed the other kids on Wednesday night much more. Number one. This was a pastor and one of the key leaders in a large denominational church throughout America at a 2018 youth conference. 
quote, the Bible is not God. The Bible is simply the cradle that holds God. Anything in the Bible that doesn't hold up to the gospel of Jesus Christ simply does not have the same authority. She proceeded to have a conversation about how they kind of have a canon within the canon. And not all scripture holds the same authority. So if Jesus didn't speak about it, for instance, a lot of verses in the Bible that make us sort of uncomfortable, the ones maybe we don't like, then those don't really have much authority. Just the things that Jesus was saying hold, hold true and hold a canon within the canon. See, even in large denominations, the Bible is being kind of distorted and twisted and just kind of picking, right? They're picking out what from that document they want to believe and then discarding the parts that, you know, that's, I don't think, oh, I don't really want to do that part. Let's just take this, this little bit of, of scripture. And it's, it's distorting the word of God and the authority it has. Another one, another one, and again, just one of several that I used on Wednesday night this week. The very next slide. No human institution decides who is human, who is visible, who is valued. Human sexuality and gender identity are a beautiful mystery. Trans people, like all people, are beloved by God. This is the head bishop tweeting this of a large denominational church. The head bishop in America over this church. Now, when I read something like this, I ask the youth on Wednesday night, decode this for me. There are true statements in that tweet, and there are false ones, and they're put together. And one lovely statement. There's true statements in that. Does God love everybody? 100%. Is everybody loved and beloved by God? Totally. Right? Amen. I'm going to treat you with dignity and respect. I'm going to open the door for you down at the gas station. I'll pump your gas and say hello and shake your hand no matter who you are. No matter what color you are, no matter whether you're straight or gay or whatever you are, I'm going to treat you with love and respect. Of course. But is it a mystery? Is our sexual, or is our gender identity and sexuality a mystery? The Bible does not say that. So what I'm telling you here, this is one example. These are two examples. The word of God is under attack. And then there's really predominant, powerful people, faith leaders, bishops, pastors, leaders, taking pieces of the Bible and putting a true, false, and a true, or a false, true, and a true together. And then we're expecting our youth to be able to discern what is good and what is evil. We're expecting our youth to know what is truth. It gets me worked up. (laughs) Can you tell? (laughs) It gets me a little like, "Ah, urgency. What keeps me up at night? It's what keeps me on my knees. Okay? Because this world is getting a little twisty. The truth is getting mixed in. We're not, we're not 
engaging in the apologetics of the 1990s that I grew up in. We're not trying to engage in conversation just with the secular world and the biology professor like I was. Now we are at a crossroads where the church is taking a either progressive secular turn or a Bible-believing, born-again, spirit-filled, entire God-inspired, Holy Spirit-breathed Word of God approach. Which one are we taking? And as parents, this is our calling. As grandparents, they're helping your children and other children's and neighbors. This is our calling to take the born again biblical from Genesis to Revelation approach. Because it's getting twisted and it's getting distorted in a way that is just a burden on my heart for my kids. Second Timothy 3.16, all scripture is God breathed. Useful for instruction, right? All scripture, all of it. The stuff that even convicts my heart. God breathed for a purpose. We need to know the truth so we can teach the truth to our kids. We got to know it. Oh, I'm convicted too. I hope you know this message is for me. As well as anybody else receiving it. I need to know the truth so I can teach it to my kids. Slide 10, I think, says something like, your child is being discipled. The question is, by who? They're out in the world. They're in schools. They're with friends. They're with relatives. They're with someone. Someone's teaching them. Someone's training them. Someone's teaching them their, their thoughts and their views and helping them grow in those. Someone is. Make sure it's you. Make sure it's you. And if you're sitting here today and you're like, oh, I know. I need to do a better job at this. Oh, I know. I know, Casey. I know. I got to do this. I want to go back. I want to go back to Deuteronomy, to that verse we read at the very beginning. And I love that verse because it was just like all the time, just like in the morning, in the middle of the day, at night, when you're coming, when you're going, when you're on the road, speak of these things with your kids. And if you're like, I don't even know how to start, like give me a starting point. Give me a starting point. Like, give me some practical things. Like, when I walk away, I want something to write down and do, right? Like, give me a little bit of something to do. If you go home and you have kids, three quick things that you could do. Pray over your kids before they leave your car. I know a lot of you probably drop your kids off places or eventually will. Maybe you're dropping off at a daycare or a school or their workplace. Honey, what can I pray for you today? I don't know. (laughs) Okay, well then let me pray for you anyway. (laughs) Jesus, I pray that you have a productive day at school, that the Lord calms your heart for your tests today, and that you look for someone to love on like Jesus would today. Amen.
short, it's quick. And maybe eventually your kids actually have something they really want you to pray for. You have an opportunity. So you're not creating more work for yourself. You're already driving to whatever place you're going, right? You're not even having to get a time out of your day. It's just you're already going. Pray for him quick. Number two, read the word of God to your kids. Like pick this book up and decide a time that you're going to read the word of God to your kids. And if they're young, pick a children's Bible or read it. And if they're really young, limit the time frame in which you read it. But read it. Read it to your kids. I'm not going to tell you when, what works for you, what works for you. I'm not a, we don't do morning devotions. God bless you all if you do. But we're not a morning devotion kind of family. So pick a time. Supper. Maybe you sit around the table at supper. Put the dishes in the sink and just open your word for a little bit. Read the word of God to your kids. Sometime, somewhere in your day. Number three. Pray for them before they go to sleep at night. That's one that I think is like more traditional and like a lot of people do. And that's good, right? Um, pray before you go to bed. Pray over them. Pray for them. And then when they start getting a little older, have them pray for you. <laughs> Admit your shortcomings. I had a crappy day today. I had three unexpected calls that I didn't know how to handle. Will you pray for me? Let your kids pray for you. Remember, they have those gifts that are really cool and they hear from the Holy Spirit. They're going to bless you as much as you bless them. Three things, practical things, little things. But you know what the problem is with giving you three things? I mean, I like practical. I have to go practical. But you know what the problem is with getting practical? You go home today and you're like, I'm going to do those things. Yep. Just like when you're going to lose weight. I'm going to lose 10 pounds, dang it. You know, and you set out and you're getting all the things, right? Well, if it's just an act of your will and your mind, you might do it for a week. I'm going to pray with my kids before bed. I'm going to open my Bible and read it Monday through Friday this week. You know what? You might do it a week or two. But if it was just a commitment of your mind, usually those ha- things kind of fall away. So I'm going to have us all stand today, and I'm going to have Laura come play. And this morning, I want us to just ask ourselves a few questions and not commit to just a mind duty list. Because like I said before, Deuteronomy and following the law, that was a duty list. But you know what? Doing these things with our kids, they should be so much more than a checklist. Really. They should be so much more than just a duty. They should be something that we enjoy and we delight in. And my heart in this And my desire in this as parents, as grandparents, as ones encouraging and instructing our kids is that you have the desire in you to do those things because you enjoy the Father God 
because you love the Holy Spirit in your life. Because opening your Bible isn't a duty to fulfill in that day on your checklist, but it's a spirit-filled time where God meets you and fills you so that when you are in front of the kids on a Sunday or a Wednesday, it's just an overflow of your heart. So if you're here this morning and you're like, you know what, I have been kind of dry. I'll be honest. I go home from a Sunday morning and my Bible sits on my end table until the next Sunday. I'm kind of in a dry place. It sits on the end table. Praying with my kids? Heck, I don't even pray. Hey, I've been there before. I have, believe me. Yeah, pastors can get dry too. I want this morning for you more than anything just to enjoy spending time with the Father. No, really, enjoy it. Because if you enjoy spending time with the Father, you're going to enjoy doing those things with your kids. So I want everyone to close their eyes. I want everyone to close their eyes. And I'm just going to pray. God, we just come to you this morning. Our hearts are on all different areas, all different spots this morning. We come to you knowing, Lord, that raising up our youth is our responsibility as parents. It's our responsibility. And God, we just forgive me, Jesus. Forgive me when I have not taken up that baton. When I have not held that responsibility in my home of raising up my kids to love you, Jesus. Forgive me, God. If you're here this morning and with our eyes shut and you just know I am in a dry spot. I haven't wanted to read my Bible for a long time. I haven't enjoyed communion and speaking and praying with Jesus for a while. If you're here and you are kind of dry in that place, I just want you to just give me a little raise of your hand right in your spot give you a little raise of the hand because I'm going to pray for you this morning. It can be grandparents. It can be anyone. You don't have to have kids to be dry. (laughs) Raise your hands. I'm going to pray over you right now. I'm going to pray over you. Yes, Jesus. Thank you. Jesus, right now I pray. God, I pray in the name of Jesus that these hearts right now would be lit on fire for you, Father God. Lord, I pray for the Holy Spirit to come in a fresh way in their lives, Lord. I pray, God, as they say yes to you, you meet them, Lord, in a powerful way. God, I pray as they go home this week, they would have a new passion to love you, to serve you, and that their hearts would overflow onto their kids and their families and their grandparents and in their neighborhoods, Lord, that out of an overflow of the heart, their families would be affected by their yes today. God, I pray that spending time with you is not a duty 
but it's a delight. God, and I pray that the hearts of these parents, and my own included, in this church is to raise a youth that know you personally, are empowered by the Holy Spirit, and can discern truth versus deception. God, we give this to you. We give these families and these kids to you. In Jesus' powerful name we pray. Amen. Amen. Bless you all. Have a great, great week. And keep praying for Pastor Mike. He is getting better. He was sick this week, but he is getting better. So keep praying for him. Thank you.